Good evening. I was instructed to say something spiritual. Um, <laughs> oh. um, I'm going to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 8. And this is at a time when the people were asking Samuel for a king. And it's the scripture to me doesn't have so much to do about that, but it's, it's this. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And then uh, in Judges 11, it's another, it's a story about Jephthah. And more than the story, it's... It's the tie-in with what Samuel did. It said, Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all his words before the Lord. And that's... I like to uh, reflect and utter all my words with Brother Richard. I don't know if there are any other wives that like to do that. And he's, he's a pretty good listener. He does get maxed out, though, at times. Um, but, the, but when you lay before the Lord and you rehearse before him and you lay your heart before him and the person that you, he's the one that we have to do with. And just like our scripture that's still up in the wall, my God will hear me.
Good evening. Uh, so the last service, I think it was. Did you preach the last service, Gabe? What? Uh, I I had the same message. I mean, actually, I think Gabe did a lot better than I would have um, about the operation, the work of God. Do you remember that? Good. Six of you do. Good. Uh, and then uh, Brother Bill got up and closed with the verse I was looking at also in Ezekiel. So if you can just remember what was said the last service, this can be really quick. The most significant thing for all of us and uh, I, I, I'm irritated about something, not just right now. It's sort of an elongated irritation. Yeah, yeah. And that is that God is invisible. And I, I, I find that to be a, a little bit of a problem. Um, because it says that endurance really, Moses endured, right, by seeing the one that's invisible. And I would say for us as a, for me as an individual and for us as a church, as a community, us as individual members of the body of Christ, I think, the, you know, the greatest need that we, one of the greatest needs, I mean, we can say this a lot of different ways, but one of the greatest needs is just that we would be aware of and awakened to uh, really what God himself is doing in our lives. That is of the utmost importance for every single one of us. That really should be the thing that really must take precedence over everything that's going on here. Am I really connected to, engaged in, aware of um, the operation of God in my life? And what is he really doing? Um, and I think one of the greatest, I think the greatest area of deception really is with all of us and is found many times in the church because... Um, we, you know, we're talking this morning about, um, I forget how we put it, what was essential and <clears throat> how we have discovered over and over that we can't really, we can't perform this. You know, the thing is, I don't need, um, I need something that is, that is so above and beyond any capacity that I have. I don't need... A repair kit. I need a really, I need a full on transformation. And that's what God's intention is. Um, so where you sit tonight and where I sit or stand right now is that I'm in need not of, of a doing better or a repair, but rather actually a whole transformation uh, taking place in me, uh, a change. And that is God's intention. 
to, to change. But even by the Spirit of God, it says. We won't look at that. It's in 2 Corinthians 3. Um, and the reason we try, and, and even though we preach against it, and I love how much we preach against it, and how eloquent we can say it, and how many 5,000 different ways we can put it. Um, the reality is we still do try um, to better ourselves. And, um, you know, having said that, I want to balance this out a little bit. I don't, I'm not interested in, in this uh, uh, full-on manifestation of bad behavior. I'm, it, that's, not like, uh, that's not like a great thing. But the reason we keep trying is because um, it is extremely uncomfortable to not be able to change yourself. There's a lot of discomfort in that. Um, and so that's why trying and that's why programs and that's why improvements are so popular. And they're popular with us because God, it's very difficult to live in a place of deficit uh, and dependence upon God. Because that's really what it is to abide in Christ. It's to be dependent, right? Uh, it, it says that we had an example. I, I don't know. Uh, Brother Bill read a paper this morning to me uh, and it just was that Jesus, it says we have to walk as Jesus did in the steps that Jesus did. And that's true, but it needs explanation because he didn't walk in my life. And, and actually, he didn't walk in your specific life. You have a specific walk. And what the point is, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever lived in minus 40 Got something on Jesus. <laughs> I've often read Paul's list. Is it 2 Corinthians 11? And I'd, I'd done some cleaning the weekend before I was down at Bowen's Mill, and it dawned, and I, I, had, I got a paper, a really bad paper, a really bad paper cut. And in the process of that, I just got it. It was a fresh paper cut, and I was cleaning, and I got cleaner in the paper cut. Yeah, I appreciate that response. That is, no, that is really good. Uh, really, that was, that was better. You know what? That was better than I expected. And, and, but I read the list of Paul's life, and he didn't get paper cuts with Windex in them. I don't read it anywhere. He didn't go through what I've gone through. I've seen all the pictures of Jesus, and he never went bald. Just saying. There's a lot of heavy things that I'm walking through in my life that Jesus didn't face. What? He wasn't a woman either. <laughs> he wasn't a woman either. I don't know what that means. That's to be explained. I don't get that. Well, that's true, yeah. Oh, you mean for the others in this room? Yeah. I thought you were talking to me, and I just, uh, I kind of was going right by me. I mean, is he degrading me right now? I, I wasn't certain. I mean. Really, what that verse is talking about in Peter is that you and I must walk by the same source that he walked by. In the, in the um, confines of your life. In the confines of my life, the one that I have on this earth, uh, is that 
God's intention is for you to find a source of life that is above every other source. And, you know, the Lord gave Renee a, a great song, you know, you know, come higher. And I think we need to come higher. I mean, come higher to the place to understand that really what is of the greatest importance to us is what is God actually doing in me? And what's he doing in you? What, what do these things mean? What do they point to? Otherwise, I have other responses that come out of me because I am unaware of the operation of God. And, and God doesn't like that. I could read some scriptures. Uh, there's, there's a few straight up ones. One's Isaiah 5, one's uh, Psalm 28. And then uh, it's in Colossians. But he doesn't like that, you know, and I think what really is going on, I was reminded of the scripture when Gabe was speaking the other night that in Hebrews 5.14, it says, uh, it talks about maturity belongs to those who've had their senses exercised to discern good and evil. And I thought that is actually really what's going on is the discernment of, of God's operation in, in my life rather than an analysis based upon what is natural and what is earthbound. And that God wants to bring us higher to the place because that's where endurance is, that I find the one that is invisible, that is out to save my soul, to bring my soul into a condition where it's transformed. And that, that's a huge, that is a quite a, a purpose. That's quite an intention that God has to transform your soul uh, into his very likeness, into the very image of his son, it says. Um, and so I think what's going on is all of us are growing. There's a growing awareness in our hearts. It's not that you're getting better. It's a growing awareness in our hearts how desperate we are. In order to be changed, our dependence must be really shifted all the time. And our awareness and sensitivity uh, with spiritual senses must be awakened to actually what God is looking for and what he's working on. And, and so... It, I think we have a part to play, and and um, and the part is to is to really seek that out. You know, it's really to look for that. It's really to inquire of the Lord, um, because sometimes I feel blind as a bat, and I know that's not that's not exactly true. Bats have radar and stuff, but um, but blind to you know the purpose of God. And, and honestly, we are lost if we don't find what his purpose is because he does things that are, are a bother to us. Um, he does incentivize. Um, is that a word, incentivize? Okay. He has an incentivization. How about that word? Okay, not so sure. Not as much confirmation. Let's just go. It's incentivizing. <laughs> this guy is on a word roll. Um, but it says something interesting. I think it's Psalm 78. We're not going to turn there. But it says, to, <laughs> when he slew them, then they sought him. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. 
Thank you. Well, that's, that's what I was just going to get to. You just kind of blew the whole punchline there. I, wow. Oh, yeah. You're de-incentivizing me. Okay. Uh, sorry. 78. If, you, if this is uh, confusing and boring to you tonight, just remember what Gabe said the other night and the scripture that both closed with. When he, when he slew them, then they sought him. And they returned and inquired after God. And I just think, wait a minute. And I, I think <laughs> something's wrong. You have an answer? Wow. He didn't kill them all. Oh. <laughs> I, I just think, uh, you know, he, he, he shows them. I guess my thought is that he, he, showed, he showed them that they were dead <laughs> where they were living. And when they found out that they were dead where they were living, and honestly, I, that, is so dis, that is so uncomfortable. But has anybody else made that discovery that what I, what I produce <laughs> is dead? As much as I try, what I produce doesn't bring forth the very life of God. And um, so he has a way to bring us into the condition where, uh, the end of Hosea 5, right? Um, I will return to my place, and in, and in their affliction, they will seek me early, right? God uses uh, all, the, all these kind of things in our lives. I, honestly, they, and I know it has to become specific for my life. It, it, and because I can look at your life and say, well, you know, God's just drawing them closer. Right? And usually we say just in front of it. God is just drawing them closer. Right? And, but when it comes to my life, He isn't just drawing me closer. What are you doing? What's going on? And it's okay to say that because I want to know what's going on because Moses endured by seeing the one that was invisible. And God's in an invisible realm. He's not, it doesn't mean you don't see through the creation the things that God has done, but I'm talking about a specificity of a relationship, of actual communion and dialogue, something that's living, something that's real, that something that uh, affects me. And I know I, I can't, be better, but I know this, that I can become aware of, of um, the need to depend and to hold on in a way that, because I find, I just have to tell you, I've used God. Has anybody else used God? Lord, I need this, I, I need, and I'm not talking about I wasn't sincere, but as soon as he answered, or he got it, there was relief, and because there was relief, I could then get back on my way and sustain myself. But God is bringing you and me, and, and, and Christianity was never meant to be some part-time occupation. I'm sorry. It never was. And, I, you know, this perfection of surrender, I think it was Richard that said that. The nerve. (laughs) 
but that's God's intention to, to bring that forth. And it's not that you and I have any capacity to bring forth, but we do have um, capacity to be awakened by the Spirit. And to say, I, Lord, I need you more uh, than I realized. And how many times have I said that? So that because God is really, and, and, and John Henson used to use the term full-time Christian worker. <laughs> and I don't know, I, didn't, I wasn't around him all the time, but any time I was around him, he seemed like he was that. <laughs> I was in a, a, a bad state at a convention. This is years and years ago. And, and he just walked by me and goes, the Gloria, the Gloria, all the glory, you're a glory. I mean, like he just went on. I mean, and, and I was, uh, I just got lifted up. Not because of me, but because he was, he was on duty. But God is looking for this full-time kind of, uh, uh, occupation with us and us with him and he uses stuff to get us to the point where we seek him Lord I, I gotta have you and that is a good thing but it's not mainstream Christianity and so sometimes we can get um, and I don't mean that again I'm, I'm talking about mainstream Christianity here I'm not talking about mainstream Christianity somewhere. I mean here. What, what our hearts would, would prefer is that we'd, that we'd live a decent life. And I mean, God has some tremendous ideas like love one another. I mean, that is a great idea. And, and I, I've said amen to it a lot. It's just that uh, I've run into some problems with it. I mean, I just have to have the perfect atmosphere and the perfect kind of treatment coming at me and the perfect level of kindness and, and the perfect sweet words and uh, things that don't offend me get to me, you know. I've, I'm sure I've often said to you that um, my wife was trying to train me, period. <laughs> With, with raising children so she didn't want me to react to what was said. I mean in the flesh. And um, I, I honestly, and I talked to the Lord about this, I just thought, well, wouldn't it be easier if the thing wasn't said in the first place? It'd be easier for everybody. Yeah. It seemed like that would be a good thought. But you know, God wants you to be exposed to whatever gets you and whatever gets me. Is a specificity of our walk with him that he wants us, because he wants us to discover that the source of life that he is bringing us to never fails. Love never fails. The source of life that he's bringing every single one of us to doesn't fail. The best things that have happened to me is, and I love when we use this word in the, in the fellowship, well, we're just incompatible with certain ones. 
The best thing that you've run into is your incompatibility. Because then you realize that you were in huge deficit, had no capacity, except you found another source. And uh, I think incompatibility is a silly thing because some, you know, some days I'm incompatible with everybody. And um, it's an important thing to come to so that you and I say, Lord, I don't, I, I need, uh, I need another. Are you around, Lord? I need you. I need you. Now, um, I was reading through the book of Ezekiel. I don't even know how I got there, um, but I did. I, I didn't do the first, you know, chapters. Um, but God, I just want to have a, I just give you a, a little snapshot of God just for a couple minutes. And I'm not going to read the verses, but, you know, in, if you start in 14 and go through 24 in Ezekiel, chapter 14 to 24, he, he just is, uh, he's really thorough in his communication about their idols, about their lovers, other lovers, about their abominations, about their murders, about their, one place he uses the word, their scum. <coughs> I mean, it's like really, like he just, and he goes on and on through the prophet Ezekiel, you know. Um, and he talks about his sword and what he's going to do with it. And uh, how thorough the sword is, what he, what he does, what he does with the sword. You know, you read that, you know that in Hebrews 4, right? That his sword is so thorough that it divides the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I, I've, been, I've been pleased with the victory that a word that was right here didn't come all the way out. And God's interested in getting to the thoughts and the very intense of what's going on. He, I mean, uh, and, and little by little, I think that's being revealed to us, the magnitude of what the kind of transformation that he's working in us. And how desperate we must get to, to seek him, to find him, to inquire of him. Otherwise, we're going to go searching a hundred different places for help. That's something he addresses in Ezekiel. He wasn't happy that they'd go here and there. He wasn't happy for all the places they'd go for help. And it's uncomfortable to go, continually go to God for help. Because he allows you to see. He said, should I be inquired of by these people at all, Ezekiel? <laughs> Ezekiel must have been quite a guy. I, I just got to tell you. I mean, these were scathing kind of words. He said, these people have idols. They're, they've got abominations. Why would I be even inquired of them at all? You know, God's love is not ignorant. And, um, and then, he, then, then he, he takes Ezekiel's wife. And he says, don't cry. Dress up like normal. Put the thing on your head. Go out. I'm taking her. 
uh, I don't want you to do any weeping or, or, or mourning. And he said, because you're going to demonstrate um, to the children of Israel. Now, let me just insert this. Chapters 25 to 32. Do you know what that's all about? Judgments on other nations. Can I just say, I just want to insert that nobody's getting away with anything. There isn't a nation in this world that's getting away with a thing. I know there's all kinds of conjecture and there's prophetic this and prophetic that and some of it's very pathetic and, and it's projection because the best that humans can do is try to make it a little better. But God's got it all in his purview. And he lists all these nations. He takes seven or eight chapters on it. And then he gets down to uh, chapter 33 and 34. And I want to read the last verse in 34 of Ezekiel. I, because this is, it's like a snapshot of the kind of God we serve. He goes through everything about his people. And they've, he knows... I mean, he knows that I've used him. He knows, <laughs> he knows how fickle... I've been. He knows how up and down. He knows how. I love him. I love him not. I love him. I love him not. You know, I mean, he knows all that. And he goes through all these things. He lists it all. I mean, it's quite an overwhelming uh, uh, book, if you want to read it. Um, he says. He ends it after all this. He, he's going after, uh, he talks about the, if, if there's, there's trouble and, a, and, and the watchman warns them, then the blood will be on the people. They don't pay attention. And then if the watchman doesn't warn them, it, the blood's on his head. Then he talks in 34 about the shepherds and how, what, how problematic they are. And uh, he goes through all this stuff. And at the end he says, and ye are my flock. The flock of my pasture are men. And I am your God, says the Lord God. I mean, I, I was just struck when I read that. The, the magnitude and the depth and the quality of the love of God. He's not ignorant. He knows us better than we know ourselves. We're the ones that are making any discoveries. He knows us. He made us. He knows our habits. He knows our coming and going. He knows our thoughts. He knows the intents of our heart. And, and still with all that and with all those pronouncements and the thoroughness of his sword and the things that can happen and, and everything through all that, he gets through 34 chapters in the last verses. You are my flock. I thought, wow. That has some weight, doesn't it? We have so much, we are so confined and so small in our capacity to love because people move outside of our confinement and we say, what do they, do? What do they think they're doing? <laughs> this is supposed to be encouraging. He gets to 36 and this is what, what, what Brother Bill read. Look at this. He tells, it's all about restoration, the chapter. About his restorative powers, the restoration of God. And he says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to sprinkle you clean. I'm going to get rid of all your filthiness, your idols. And guess, guess what else? A new heart. 
a new spirit. Okay? He's doing all the work. Right? You will dwell on the land. I'm going to increase you. Uh, I mean, I, he says something really important along the way. Then, and it's uh, 36, 31. Then shall you remember your evil ways and your doings that weren't good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight. You know, that's what's going on. Because I, uh, it, and I can't tell you how many times I seem to have to get the same lesson. Right? I, 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 I joke about it, right? About stepping in that same trap. And there's no new disguise. It's not in a different place. It's just my regular path. How do you know about my life, Mary? Oh, thanks. <laughs> and then it goes on. After all this, this is what I'm going to do. I will, and, and, uh, and then the heathen are going to know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places. If you find yourself ruined or a plant that was desolate, it says. If you find yourself in that condition, I've got really great news. Because as the holy flock as the, uh, no, thus says the Lord, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel. Do you understand? He just wants to get you to the condition where you agree with his plan. Lord, I'm in agreement and I, I misevaluated the thing that's happening in my life. That's the very thing that I wanted to get rid of. And I don't want to talk about anybody's affliction because, and you shouldn't either, because you don't know what it's like. It doesn't matter because some things, some things that you consider small just totally uh, knock me down on the ground. And some things that I consider so minuscule, they don't bother me at all. I walk on by and don't even notice. And that doesn't mean anything because every single one of us is a member in particular with a particular nervous system, particular sensitivities. And God is doing something with all of us. And that is bringing us into the sensitivity of his work to deliver every single one of us in such a miraculous uh, abundant, over-the-top way to transform our very souls. <clears throat> he says, so I will be yet inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. What, what, where is he bringing me? He's bringing me to this, Lord, I need to have this done. Can you do this? Because I can't change me. And, and I want to be changed. I do want to be changed. Because I see that you've got some really good ideas. Though they seem so out of reach some days. And a lot of us have been disappointed when, you know, you have the early days of a vision. I wonder what Joseph said. He had those great dreams. I hate that we throw our 
I hated, I used to hate listening to myself or any of us dish out our great revelation that we were so far from. And because we, we, we didn't realize how far, right? From the, what it, I mean, the condition, now let me say this, how far? I don't know how far or how near. And I, I don't want to make some pronouncement that I'm so far away. But I lean that way. And I don't want to make some pronouncement that I'm uh, very near. Because I just don't know. God knows. I still have some indications that there's some gaps. By my way of thinking okay I still see gaps here but don't make a pronouncement if you go to chapter 37 in Ezekiel which we won't it's the valley of dry bones it's like after he prophesies all this he he he, he mentions the condition that they're in right now it's a valley of dry bones and lo they were they were very dry they weren't just dry they were very dry and then he says, prophesy to the bones. How long does it take God to bring you into that place that you've been looking for or coming to the point that you're in agreement in a way with it that you've never been before? Well, what's it take for you? It doesn't take God any time, right? But he is thorough to get us to the condition where really it's... it's uh, our singular purpose. In the same way that it's his singular purpose. And uh, he takes us through whatever it is to get my undivided attention. Now, uh, I want to look at something that hasn't been too long because there's a great lie. Um, that is in the earth, is in the church, is everywhere. And that is that I know what I need. And it just isn't true. I mean, it's... You know, some, after a while, you try... One thing that's good about trying enough times, you realize what doesn't work. And, um, the, and so the children of Israel had this problem. In the wilderness. And you don't have to turn there. But in Numbers 21.5 it says. The people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread. Neither is there any water. And our soul loathes this light bread. For, I guess for a minute they forgot the miracle of bread coming coming out of nowhere, right? I mean, every morning, uh, every day there was sustenance going on. And they called it light bread. That means insubstantial. And it actually means to revile or to curse or to disesteem. And it says in Ecclesiastes 10, this, this, this occurred to me, 
It says, curse not the king. Ecclesiastes 10.20. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought. That means, don't curse what's going on in your life. Not in your thought. It's okay to inquire. It's okay to say, Lord, this is difficult for me. Lord, I find this impossible. Lord, uh, <laughs> Jesus said, can you take this cup away? But he said, you know, this is why I came. He said, no, not in your thought. Don't curse. Curse not the rich in your bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice. And that which has wings shall tell the matter. And I just, I do want to turn now to 2 Kings 6. Because it's a tremendous story. Second Kings six, and it's it's. I'm not. I don't want to read all the verses, but, um, but then it says in verse eight. I'll just this is the background. The king of Syria warred against Israel, and took counsel with his servants, saying, "In such and such a place shall be my camp." No. So then, verse nine. Elisha, the man of God, sent unto the king of Israel, saying, "Beware that you pass not such a place." For there the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the, to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was very tr sore troubled and he called his servants. He says, which one of you is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none, but it's Elisha the prophet. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. <laughs> I, I find that pretty good warfare. That's pretty good strategy, isn't it? And then he says, go, all right, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And he says, so he sends horses and chariots and a great host. I, I'm, I'm getting to the point that I think is the most important. Not that God couldn't do something like that. We all believe he can do stuff like this. Um, and he compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? <laughs> and he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, now take this tonight because... You and I need this. I pray thee. This is what I think is the meat of the story, at least the way I'm looking at it right tonight. Some other night I might say, no, this is the meat. But I think this is the meat of the story. I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And I, in my translation, the operation of God. Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw him. Behold, a mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And, and then I want to read this next part because it's great. And they came down to Elisha and they said, he said, smite this people I pray with blindness. And he smote them with blindness and he brings them, he leads them right into the middle of the city of Samaria. And, 
And the king says, should we kill them? <laughs> and uh, Elisha said, no, give them something to eat and send them home. You know, and they went home. And it said the king of Syria bothered them no more. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty good. Man, they didn't even have to kill the, the enemy. They, they just got the message. Isn't that good? They got the message. But you know, if you want to pray for each other, and I think this would be a good prayer. Lord, can you open their eyes that they can see your operation? Can you open my eyes? Because I'm getting discouraged with the operation because I'm not, I need a better awareness of the operation that you're doing. Because let me just say this. There is no other source but God that can transform a soul. There is not another source that can transform a soul. Hence, there is no other source that has a method, a plan, a book, a service, a, a praise service, a message from the pulpit, all the tapes. No, there's no tapes. That's how old I am. I even remember reel to reel. If you can imagine that. We had one in my house. I didn't listen to it at the time. My mother did. But there isn't anything else but the source of God himself that is able to transform your soul into what he is. And so that's why David says uh, in Psalm 66, and I'm coming to a close, so, so keep listening for another few minutes. And I always remember, I don't remember, Nelson, I don't know if it was opening or a service, he preached out of this passage. Do you remember that? Psalm 66? <clears throat> Come and see, verse 5, the works of God. He's terrible in his doing toward the children of men. Um, Verse 8, O bless our God, ye people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holds our soul in life and suffers not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, has proved us. You've tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction. What about a victorious Christian life? This is the roadmap. To a victorious Christian transformation. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to yell. You've laid a affliction upon our loins. You've caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us out unto a wealthy place. Verse, he says, I'm going to, because of these things, God, I'm offering. And then he says, verse 16, come and hear all ye that fear God. And I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth and he's extolled my tongue. If I regard iniquity, the Lord won't hear me. But verily God has heard me. He's attended to the voice of my prayer. 
Blessed be God. Do you know why God doesn't hear you if you regard iniquity? Because you can't be doing two things at the same time. That's what double-mindedness is. It's not that God does not hear you when you turn. You say, Lord, I think this, but I am turning to you. Because I have learned heretofore that what I thought turned out not to be right. What a discovery that is. And I wish I, I did it the last time. Yesterday. I'm not saying it's going to be a thousand more times. I don't know, but it seems like it's going to happen again. And maybe I will have my own thoughts that need to be put down till the very end. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. A couple verses in. Well, then he says in 17, David, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I'll be satisfied. I will be satisfied when I awake with your likeness. On a regular basis, Peter has some good information for us. You were a sheep going astray. But now you've returned to the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. In chapter four, wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. God help us. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes so we can see your operation that's at work. Open the eyes of my brothers and sisters here. Open the eyes of the kids that are coming. Open their eyes, Lord, so they can get a glimpse of the great operation and work of Almighty God. Amen. If we, if we don't see the, the, the pain and the joy converge in growth, and sometimes we don't, and, uh, but I think Spark said this uh, in one of his lines, that no one will ever stay on the idea that God has made them miserable. And... Um, We've had misery and we have difficulty. Um, and it's always growth. And I, I gave uh, Mr. Brooks, I gave you five, five passages and they were all about growth. But, and every one of them had to do with suffering. Because when, when we really understand that the, the very synonym, the strong synonym for love is sacrifice. And, and God is showing us the wonder, really, of what it means to sacrifice. But there, ha there is this little lesson, and, and, and this is why this, this word is very significant for us. L listen to what... Uh, 
it says in Proverbs 1. For, for that they hated knowledge, or the knowing of God, and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel. And see, the, the only way you get the counsel, and David mentioned it, the only way you get it is to realize you have an invisible God who will open your eyes if you spend your time where he is. And that's the hunt. And uh, they would have none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. And God wants us to see that. And you could hear the, the angst in, in David tonight because it's real. This is a real thing. And every one of you sitting there tonight, have a, when, whenever you offer and whenever you rise up to move and God, I want to see, I want to find you. That's what you have. And, <laughs> and this is not so happy here. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Dear God, that's the whole purpose of all the times where God has fixed us before even we were born again so that we would understand the condition we would be in. And you know, with this, there, there's a tremendous paradox because you've received everything. God looks upon you tonight as perfect. But he wants you to see what it cost him to some degree. And when, when we dial in and when we lay our lives down for one another and really do, or we get what I call a little uh, nudge and I die, uh, <laughs> and in the, the event there's fruit, that's what it is. But the fruit of your own way does not taste good. Can we say amen to that? All of us have eaten the fruit of our own way. And, and I, I, this is the thing that, that I hope we can get across to the folks coming. And we have, this is where our prayer for them, all those that are coming in here, is that, that, that you absolutely can't do anything about a bad yesterday and there's nothing that can be projected for you to do something down the line even promises or schedules or whatever it is but right now now today you can do something and and if we don't see that and and, and we also have to say that you know david talked about the wanting change we want change and, but, but when we see the slippage, the, the continual thing, he, he is bringing us to, to, for us to say, I know I'm absolutely clear, God, I can't do this without the constancy of your love and me being bonded to that. God help us to believe that tonight. Amen. Let this word sink in.